Good morning, church. Our reading is taken from Luke 1, verses 26 to 56. In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth, to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph, of the house of David, and the virgin's name was Mary. And he came to her and said, Greetings, O favored one, the Lord is with you. But she was greatly troubled at the saying, and tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. And the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, For you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son. And you shall call his name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the son of the most high. And the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father David. And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there will be no end. And Mary said to the angel, How will this be, since I am a virgin? And the angel answered her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. And behold, your relative Elizabeth in her old age has also conceived a son. And this is the sixth month with her who was called barren. For nothing will be impossible with God. And Mary said, Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. In those days, Mary arose and went with haste into the hill country to a town in Judah. And she entered the house of Zechariah and greeted Elizabeth. And when Elizabeth heard the greeting of Mary, the baby leaped in her womb, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit, and she exclaimed with a loud cry, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. And why is this granted to me, that the mother of my Lord should come to me? For behold, when the sound of your greeting came to my ears, the baby in my womb leaped for joy. And blessed is she who believed that there would be a fulfillment of what was spoken to her from the Lord. And Mary said, My soul magnifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Saviour. For he has looked on the humble estate of his servant. For behold, from now on, 
all generations will call me blessed. For he who is mighty has done great things for me, and holy is his name. And his mercy is for those who fear him from generation to generation. He has shown strength with his arm. He has scattered the proud in the thoughts of their hearts. He has brought down the mighty from their thrones and exalted those of humble estates. He has filled the hungry with good things and the rich he has sent away empty. He has helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy. As he spoke to our fathers, to Abram, and to his offspring forever. And Mary remained with her about three months and returned to her home. May the Lord bless the reading of his precious word to our hearts. Thank you, Leonora. Um, it's good to be with you this morning. My name's Ian. I'm one of the pastors here, and um, we're starting a new series called A King is Born. Um, but I was told just before I got up that some people online, you might have missed the reality that we're having technical difficulties, and, um, and that the, that's why our screens aren't working, and at home you're not getting any slides or anything like that. Don't worry, we are aware, and for those of us in the venue, we flip things around. So I'm going to preach, and then we're going to do worship, and we're going to get song sheets into your hands during this time, so that when we go into time of worship, we all can sing along and enjoy worshiping God together. So that's a bit of the technical difficulty. We were struck by lightning a little while ago, and we're still finding gremlins in the machine. So things that we thought were working clearly are not working. Um, but as I said, we're, we're starting a series, a, a two-week series, um, this week and next week, uh, looking at the reality that a king is born in this time. And there are a few moments in history that have, have had as big an impact as the moment of Jesus being born. And for 2,000 years, people have been trying to figure out who is this person, who was he, what was he about, was he a, a wise person who had good things to say, but he was just a human but he had some big claims. He claimed that he was God and that he was on a mission um, sent by the Father to redeem humanity to himself. Is that who he is? Is he a madman who just kind of spewed these weird sayings and things and got some stuff right and somehow managed to get a following? And for 2,000 years, we've been trying to make sense of this moment of Jesus stepping into human history. And over the next two weeks, we're going to unpack Two scriptures from Luke, the, the, today the story of Mary um, being visited by the angel, and next week the birth of Jesus. And we're going to see that the claim of the scriptures, the claim of the Christian faith, is that this wasn't just a boy being born who was human and did some wonderful things, no, but that a king was born in this time, 2,000 years ago, and that this king would be the king of an everlasting kingdom. And that's the claim. And today we see the story read that Leonora read about Mary and how God interrupts her life. And that's what we're going to, that's the title of my, my message this morning is the unexpected interruptions of God. Now I don't know about you, but I find interruptions incredibly annoying. I like to be focused on a task. When I am doing something, I like to be doing what I'm doing. And when um, La or Layla or someone comes and goes, Ian, can you help me? I'm like, Ugh. 
It gets under my skin. I hate being interrupted, especially when I'm watching Netflix. You know, it's important work that I'm doing. And there are these things that, and, and interruptions can be incredibly annoying and frustrating. I don't know about you. If you have kids and you went through lockdown and had to work and have kids in the house at the same time, it, all, it literally, I almost went insane. It's like every five seconds, as you're about to get started, Dad, do you want to play Lego? Yes, I would love to play Lego, but I have to do what's happening right now. And um, it almost made me crazy. But then the reality is that there's also times where interruptions are wonderful. You know, that moment that you're working and that the doorbell goes and you realize that parcel that you've ordered from Take-A-Lot has arrived. It's a lovely interruption. Or you get those phone calls from someone and you get this unexpected, wonderful news about something that you didn't even know could be possible. Or you get that phone call from a person that you haven't spoken to for a very long time and you see their, 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 their name on your phone as you pick it up. And you're like, oh, this is a lovely call to receive. And you, you don't mind the interruption. One of my best memories from lockdown was actually Layla interrupting me. And it was outdoors at home, or kind of just above her head height, and then there's a little window in the room that I was working. And then every, she learned that she wasn't allowed to come through the door, which what she'd do, she'd walk up to the door, she'd peek over, I'd just see her eyes, she'd go, I love you, Dad. And then she'd walk off. Best memory from lockdown. I love those little interruptions. It was wonderful. I think Christmas is a lovely interruption to our lives in that phone calls are interruptions. Um, <laughs> I hope it's a good one, not an annoying one. Okay. Uh, and Christmas is a wonderful interruption. I mean, when, when do we decorate our stage and get all festive and have a tree in the venue? And it's just this time of year where things seem to slow down, where we generally have more patience for each other, where there's generally a, a greater desire to, to choose joy rather than irritation or frustration. It's a wonderful pause to the intensity that life can sometimes be. Whether you're working or not over this time, things seem to slow down a bit and people seem to have a little bit more patience and grace for each other in this season. It's a wonderful interruption. And then today, as we look to Mary, we're going to see that, that her life was, was heading in a certain way and God would wonderfully interrupt her life and that he would interrupt her life with his grace, he would interrupt his, her life with his presence, that he would interrupt her life with his power, and that this interruption would be so good and so wonderful that she would find her life, herself desiring to worship God because of this interruption. That's where we're going this morning. I'm going to pray, and then we're going to get stuck in. Father, we love you. We, we need you. You are good. You are presence here. Where your people gather, you, you want to reveal yourself. You want to speak. You want us to encounter you and know you. God, at a personal level, you want us to know you. So I pray, Father, that as we unpack this um, account of, of Mary and you interrupting her life, I pray that you would speak loudly to us. God, that we would freshly encounter your grace, your presence, and your power, and that our hearts would be stirred to worship. Father, we know that you are a living God who's powerfully at work in this world, and we want to meet you freshly this morning. Speak to us, encourage us, challenge us, do what you need to do to draw us closer and deeper into relationship with you, we pray. Amen. 
Okay, so a little bit of context to this story is that just before the story, there's, an, there's a story about a priest called Zechariah, and what happens is that he, the, um, he would have been part of a regiment of priests, and his time to go to the temple and serve at the temple comes, and he goes to the temple, and by lot, he's chosen to go into the temple and light incense, and he goes in, and as he goes into the temple, he is met by an angel, and this angel Gabriel comes to him and says, Zechariah, you um, your wife Elizabeth has been barren, and she is well beyond childbearing years, but you're going to have a son. And she promises him this miracle of a, his barren wife being able to conceive and have a son. And then he says, but your son's not going to be any um, person. He's going to be the fulfillment of the promised messenger that was to come before the Messiah, the one who would declare that the kingdom of heaven is here and that God is near. Repent and get ready for the coming of the kingdom of God. And Zechariah, in that moment, has doubt. And he goes, that can't be. We're beyond childbearing years. And Gabriel basically says, I am an angel that stands in the presence of God. I'm, I stand in the presence of the Creator. I promise you, barrenness is not a problem for us, is basically what he says to Zechariah. But because of his doubt, Zechariah is made mute for the extent of the pregnancy, and he's, he's unable to speak. Elizabeth falls pregnant, and she hides herself for five months as if to just say, I really want to know if, if what is said would happen is happening, if I really am pregnant. She hides herself for five months. And that's where we pick up this story this morning, where it says, in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent. The sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, an angel Gabriel is sent to Mary. And he goes with this message, and he came to her and said, Greetings, O favored one, the Lord is with you. But she was greatly troubled at the saying and tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. And the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. It's this moment where Mary is living her life. She is mid to late teens. She's betrothed to um, Joseph. And she, that's her life. She lives in Nazareth. She's basically going to live a very simple peasant life, married to a carpenter in a very small town in Israel. And that's the life, that's the trajectory of her life. That's where it's headed. And God in this moment interrupts her life. And an angel appears to her with a message. And it's literally, a, it's, a, it's an abrupt and it's a sudden interruption. The angel literally appears. I don't know what that feels like, but she's terrified. So it's probably scary. And, and in every account of an angel appearing to someone in the Bible, you see that their response, initial response is always fear. And the angels always have to say, do not be afraid. And there's something of the glory of heaven, the glory of God that's reflected in these beings that stuns us when they appear. It's also the realization of this 2D world where we're so used to the things we can see and feel suddenly is so evident that there is more to reality than just what we see and feel. An angel, and Mary has this moment of her life being interrupted by an angel. And the angel says, do not fear, do not worry. I come with good news. I come to tell you that you are favored by God. That means is that God's kindness, God's goodness, God's affection is orientated towards you, Mary. In other words, God's grace is orientated towards you. God is coming to you in his grace. And so Mary finds her life interrupted. And there's something wonderful that we learn about the grace of God, the favor of God in this moment. Because you see, there's nothing spectacular about the life of Mary. 
There's nothing that our culture would call spectacular. She's not an influencer on Instagram. She's not a CEO of some company. She hasn't had an amazing education. It's not like she's applied. She's like, job description, mother of God, here's the criteria, went on this long study, effort, work, achievements, did everything she needed to do, applied for the job and said, qualified. There's none of that in her life. She's not spectacular. She's not the one that you, you step back and look over all the people in existence at that time and go, this one's worthy because of her achievements, her ability, and what she's done. And that tells us something about the grace of God. That God, in his good choosing, would look over all of creation and all the women that he could give this incredible privilege to. And he doesn't look for the spectacular. He doesn't look for those educated. He doesn't look for wealthy. He doesn't look for those who've achieved much. He doesn't look for those who we might say, they surely are the, she surely is the worthy one. Rather, in his good choosing, in in and of himself, he looks over and he sees Mary and he says, you, I choose to favor you. You will receive my grace. And that's amazing for anyone in this room or anyone online in this time who doesn't feel that you kind of live in the elite, that your life is spectacular, that you are worthy of the presence of God, that you are worthy of the grace of God. So often I speak with people who come into a church context and they'll say this to me. They say, I feel uncomfortable here. I'll go, why do you feel uncomfortable here? Because everybody else seems to be worthy of God. They seem to do things right. They seem to have their lives together. And I almost in that moment have to like bite my tongue and not laugh because I know how not together I am and how not together so many people in this community are. And I have to go, no, it's not about together people. It's not about people who've achieved. It's not about people who are wonderful and amazing and spectacular in and of themselves. It's about a people who have met the grace of God and weren't worthy of it. And it found us. He found us. He found me. And so this place, if you feel unworthy, if you don't feel spectacular, if you feel below average, is the perfect place, the family of God. Because actually no one is worthy of the presence of God. And it is only by his grace and his good choosing that we are made worthy of his presence. And so we see evidence of God's grace in Mary's life. And Mary understands this. Mary believes this. Mary knows that she wasn't worthy of this encounter. She wasn't worthy of this interruption. When she sings her song later, and we read in verse 51, he has shown strength with his arm. He has scattered the proud in the thoughts of their hearts. He has brought down the mighty from their thrones and exalted those of humble estate. He has filled the hungry with good things, and the rich he has sent away empty. Mary acknowledging, I, there was nothing spectacular in me. I was those of the humble. I was, those who were, I was a part of those who are not rich. And God found me in his favor and his kindness. And it's not that the rich and the mighty don't receive the grace of God. There is a reality that the rich and the mighty often don't see their need for the grace of God. But we see in Scripture that the grace of God finds everybody and everyone's in need of the grace of God. Everyone's in need of the mercy of God. But what it shows us is something about the character and nature of God where he doesn't look for the spectacular, he doesn't look for the worthy, he looks for the humble, he looks for the needy, he looks for those who, who will have an acknowledgement that I need God and I need his grace. And as he looks over the world, he sees Mary and he moves towards her in his grace and his kindness. And Mary and Joseph would still live carpenter's life Pretty simple life. 
But the difference is they would live a life interrupted by the presence of God. They would live their life, the life they were going to live, with the very presence of God with them. Verse 31. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom there will be no end. There's a big difference between Elizabeth's story and a Mary's story. Elizabeth is a barren woman who could not conceive and was well beyond the years of having a child. And the miracle is that she would conceive and have a child. But she was having a boy, a human boy. But here in these words, what we read is that this, this, this virgin birth, the son that Mary was to have, would be so much more than just a boy. But he would be a king. And it would be so much more than just a king. He would be an everlasting king. He would be known as the Son of God, the Son of the Most High. That he was the promise of, he was the fulfillment of the promise of the Old Testament that, that Emmanuel would come, God with us. That he would be God himself, presencing himself in human history. Not only would Mary experience God interrupting her life with the very presence of God, Jesus would be with her, but that God was interrupting human history with his very presence. And that God would be with us. That's what's happening in this moment. And it's so central to the, the Christian faith that God would come and presence himself amongst humans who didn't deserve his presence so that he can make a way for us to be in relationship with him again. And Mary starts to, to understand that what is happening and what this moment is going to hold and entail is so much bigger than her and is an incredible privilege. And there's this lovely verse in Luke 2.19, just after the wise men have come and given their gifts to Jesus. It says this, But Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. I think that's what mothers do. They see things and they treasure them. They see their sons and daughters and children growing and they go, that's amazing. You just crawled for the first time. That's amazing. These things get treasured in one's heart. But for Mary, there was something so much deeper going on. Where did these wise men come from? They speak of a star that appeared and it led them to my son Jesus. What does this mean? What does it mean that they call him king? What does it mean that these shepherds have arrived and that they said angels appeared to them and called them and said, this is a time of great celebration. Go to Jesus. Mary would then go on from there and see that Jesus would grow in stature and wisdom and favor with God and people. And she'd go, there's something unique about this boy. She would be, have front row seats to seeing the moment where, where Jesus would run off to the temple when they go, why, why did you... Why did you hide in the temple? Why did you make, make us worry? And Jesus said, I'm in my father's house. That there was this weird, not weird, but distinct call on him where he saw God as father from the youngest of ages. And then Mary would see Jesus um, go on to, to, to be baptized and the spirit of God would descend on him and a voice from heaven would say, this is my son in, well, in whom I'm well pleased. Mary would meet the disciples as Jesus calls these men and she would wonder and ponder and go, why do these men give up their entire lives and existence when Jesus says, follow me? And he would see this movement gather momentum as Jesus would say, I am the son of God. I am the Messiah. I am the one who has come to redeem people to myself. And she would have front row seats. 
She would see the religious leaders getting grumpy and frustrated with Jesus and eventually angry, hostile, and want to kill him. She would see Jesus perform miracle after miracle after miracle. And she would hold these things in her heart and treasure them and try to make sense of the fullness of the story that she'd been invited into. She would see Jesus eventually be hung on a cross and her heart would ache with a mother's ache as she sees Jesus hanging on a cross, being crucified and accused of things that she knows are not true. And she would weep at the loss of her son and she would ponder, what does this mean? Why did this happen? What is going on here? And then in three days, she would hear the resurrection of Jesus. And I think in that moment, it would start to click in her heart. This is it. This is the everlasting kingdom. This is the everlasting king. He is who he said he was. And I really was a part of that story. This is God. This is my Lord. And then she would hear of, of disciples, all the disciples being scattered throughout teaching and preaching, and claiming, claiming that Jesus was who he said he is, come to him, respond to him, and that she would hear the church being born, treasuring these things as his mother. That's the story of Jesus. He came into this world as a humble child. Nathan, my son, is 11 months old yesterday, and he's fat and chunky, and he's heavy, and his head's too heavy. When he gets tired, he can't hold it up because his head's too heavy. And he's just so dependent, and all that chunkiness and everything that he is, all of it came from Laura. All of it, like, he, pretty much. I mean, besides a formula bottle here or there, most of it was Laura for the, at least the last eight months, of the first eight months of his life. Complete and utter dependence. And Jesus... God, the creator of the universe, the one that we can't fathom, would humble himself to that level of dependence, to that level of need. Fully God, fully human. Jesus knows what it is to be human. And Mary asks a very good question off the back of that. And Mary said to the angel, how will this be since I am a virgin? And there are two kind of senses to this, mo this question. The first one is, I'm sure she's acutely aware of the scandal that this will produce. Teen teenager claiming virgin birth. Not believed very often. They would have thought either Joseph and her were not faithful until marriage, or she was not faithful to Joseph. And there would be scandal around this moment. And there would be a cost to her responding, God, yes, amen. And she knows that there will be a cost. And there's a sense of that cost being weighed up and captured in her question to Gabriel. But what she would learn is that the greatest scandal of this moment is not a virgin birth but rather that the creator of the universe would humble himself and become a baby. And that that is how he would enter this world. And that God would interrupt her life and humanity's history with his very presence in the humble form of a baby. And then the second sense of that word is a very practical one. 
How will I fall pregnant? How is this going to happen? I'm a virgin. How, how is this going to work out? I don't understand how I'm going to give birth to a son and remain a virgin. And there's a sense of the question there. But before we answer that question, I just want to pause and just speak to those of us, and, and those of us who are Christ followers and those of us who are investigating the, the claims of Christ. Between Zechariah and Jesus, we see two different kinds of doubt. The first kind of doubt, which ends up with him being made mute, is a doubt that defends against any possibility. Oh. There's no ways. Elizabeth is barren. Look how old I am. It's a doubt that defends against the possibility. Whereas Mary's questioning is a doubt that seeks possibility and answers. Everyone doubts. I'm a pastor. I have doubts. I have moments of doubt. Of course we doubt. There's mystery here. There's profound mystery. But there's a deep difference between the doubt that closes off all options of possibility and a doubt that seeks answers and seeks the possibility. And that's a doubt that leads towards Jesus. That's a doubt that leads towards faith. And if you're here investigating who Jesus is, if you genuinely want to know who, what Jesus is about, I would encourage you to a seeking that is open to possibility and answers. And so the angel goes on to answer Mary's question about how, how will I conceive? How will this be? And he answers by saying, God's going to interrupt your life by, with his power. The power of God is going to interrupt your life. Verse 35. And the angel answered her, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. And the angel is so wonderful here. He's amazing because in that time, if you think about Greek mythology, the idea of of Half God, half humans being born wasn't foreign. It was actually believed that the, the gods would come and have inappropriate relationships with humans, and then you would end up with a, a half God, half human child. There was a belief at the time. And the angel is so careful in his wording and so clear. He says, he will be called holy. There is no scandal here. This is pure. This is holy. This is of God. He's going to do something. And in terms of a virgin birth, a virgin um, uh, falling pregnant, well, that is, that is going to happen by the power of God. And the phrase, the power of the Most High will overshadow you, is a phrase that we've actually seen a lot in the last few weeks as we've gone through Exodus. We saw it at Mount Sinai where God says over, the power of God overshadowed Mount Sinai and the cloud descended and there was, uh, there was a great display of the might of God. We saw it when it was speaking about the, the pillar of smoke and fire that led the Israelites. It was there when Moses would enter the, the tent of meetings and God would descend. It's there when Samuel enters the temple and prays his prayer and it descends. This is speaking of the power of God, the very presence of God moving in a powerful way and putting on display his might. And in a virgin birth, God is putting on display his power and his might. That's how it's going to happen, Mary. And some of you might say, well, virgin births don't happen, therefore this virgin birth didn't happen. Some of you might say, resurrections don't happen, therefore this resurrection didn't happen. And then I would say to you, well, nothing comes out of nothing, therefore existence doesn't happen. And you go, wait, we're here. Existence does happen. I can promise you that the biggest mystery of all is not a virgin birth and a resurrection, but that we exist at all. And we really, the first question we have to answer 
everyone has to answer, is there a God? And either we have to go, everything came out of nothing, which for me takes a lot more faith to believe that suddenly out of nothing, everything came about and it had this order of beauty and perfection about it, complexity about it, perfection in terms of design. Or you can believe that there has always been a creator God and that everything that we see, all the beauty, complexity, and wonder that we see around us is birthed out of a creative, wonderful, far more complex and glorious God. And if you land that there is a creator God, then virgin births and resurrections are just him doing what he does. The greatest miracle is that there is existence at all. And the biggest question we all have to answer is, is there a God? And Mary would say yes as she experiences God interrupting her life with his grace, with his presence, and with his power. And then the angel goes on to go to build her faith, to encourage her, to strengthen her, and says, I'm going to give you an example of God's power at work. And he says, and behold, your relative Elizabeth, in her old age, has also conceived a son. And this is the sixth month with her who was called barren, for nothing will be impossible with God. Mary, there was a barren woman way beyond childbearing years who has a son. Go and look at the evidence of God's power at work in this world. And she sends, he tells Mary of this, this person that she can go and see and speak to and see the power of God and says, nothing is, if there is a God, nothing's impossible for him. He created and made everything. And he stirs her faith. And I said that there was nothing spectacular about Mary's CV, nothing spectacular about her life. But there is something incredibly spectacular about her faith. Teenage girl, visited by an angel, scandal in front of her, gets a sense of God at work and says, I don't know what's going to happen here. I don't know how this plays out. I don't fully understand all the implications of this. And man, it's probably going to cost me. She doesn't know yet how Joseph's going to respond. And she says these incredible words. Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. Let it be. She responds to God in faith. You know, I think... This is an incredible example of what it feels like to come to God for the first time. For myself, for others that I've spoken to, it's this moment of going, I've heard enough about Jesus, but there is something about his grace and his kindness that is impressing upon me that I can't deny. I wasn't even necessarily looking for it, but I just feel this pressing of God's goodness and kindness upon me. I can't make sense of it. I can't fully understand it. There's a promise of his power and presence at work in my life. I am not worthy, but he will work by his power to make me worthy of the kingdom of God. I don't fully understand this. It's probably going to come with some cost because, I mean, to say that you believe in Jesus in this day and age is insanity, as if the day and age disproves or proves God. But there's a cost to saying, I, I believe in God, and I don't fully understand how this is going to impact my life, and I don't fully understand how this is going to unfold, and I've got a lot to learn about Jesus and what it means to be a Christ follower. But God, I'm your servant. Let it be. And we respond in faith. That's what it feels like to come to God in faith. 
And Mary has this moment of responding to God with spectacular faith. And then she does what I've learned a lot of pregnant women do through Laura, is as soon as you find out you're pregnant, you go and find another person who's pregnant, and then you talk about them because husbands just can't relate on the level that you need to relate when you're pregnant. And so Mary runs off and goes, in those days Mary arose and went with haste into the hill country to the town of Judah, and she entered the house of Zechariah and greeted Elizabeth. I love that. She entered the house of Zechariah and greeted Elizabeth. I, always, I wondered in my prep, is it, did she walk into the house and Zechariah was there and she ignored him and greeted um, Elizabeth? Or she's just like, you're mute, there's no point in greeting you, so I'm going to greet Elizabeth. <laughs> I'm not sure what, what happened there. But she greets Elizabeth. And it's amazing because Elizabeth was promised that her son would be the fulfillment of the one who would pave the way for Jesus, the one who would declare the kingdom is here, Jesus is here, and he does that in the womb. Look at this, verse 41. And when Elizabeth heard the greeting of Mary, the baby leapt in her womb. He's here. The kingdom is here. Jesus is here. In the womb, John the Baptist leaps. He's arrived. He's just walked through your door, mom. Jesus is here. The kingdom of God is here. And in this moment, as, they, as John declares the coming of the kingdom, as John declares in the leaping of his mother's womb, God is here. Both women's lives are interrupted by worship. They are brought to a place of celebration and worship at the goodness of God that he would have interrupted their lives at all. And Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. And she exclaimed with a loud cry, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. And why is this granted to me that, my, that the mother of my Lord should come to me? What an amazing moment. Jesus is declared by a baby in a womb. The Spirit of God descends on Elizabeth, and she finds her soul crying out, This is my Lord, and I worship him. And you are blessed, Mary, to be his mother. This incredible moment of worship as God is unfolding his plan. And we also see that Mary is incredibly grateful for the privilege and the favor and the grace and the kindness of God on her life. She feels nothing but blessed when you hear the song that she spontaneously bursts into and starts singing. And Mary said, my soul magnifies the Lord. My spirit rejoices in God, my Savior. For he has looked on the humble estate of his servant. For behold, from now on, all generations will call me blessed. For he who is mighty has done great things for me and is holy, and is holy, and is holy in his name. And his mercy is for those who fear him from generation to gen generation. So as I said at the beginning, Mary's life was, was that she was a teenage girl who was going to marry Joseph, a carpenter. They would have lived in their small town, had children, the simple life, a good life. It's not a bad life. But God interrupts her. 
And she went from a vague kind of sense of God where she would have to go to a temple to worship him and follow a whole bunch of rituals to worship him. She encounters the interruption of God, the interruption of God's grace, the interruption of God's presence, the interruption of God's power in her life. And what changes for her is that she would now live that life with the very presence and power of God at work in her. And she would be swept up into something so much bigger than her. She'd be swept up into the kingdom and purposes of God. And that she would know Jesus. She would know God. She would know what it is to be a worshiper who is filled with the presence and spirit of God. And her life would never be the same again because of the interruption of God. And she finds herself going from a vague knowledge of God to a song where she goes, my soul magnifies the Lord and my spirit rejoices in God, my Savior, to an intimate encounter and knowledge of who God is, my Savior. She says, and his mercy is for those who fear him from generation to generation. And this moment that Mary is swept up into is not just for her. As I said, Jesus would walk towards a cross that he would be raised from death to life. And that the invitation would be for all of us to humble ourselves, to say to God, I am your servant. I need you. I can't live life independent from you. And to cry out in faith, let it be. Let it be that I would be rescued by you. Let it be that I would appropriate everything that you finished on the cross to me by faith and that your grace would be the conduit by which I receive it. I don't deserve it. You have made me worthy of it by your finished work. Let it be. I surrender. I need you. Everyone has that opportunity. Everyone has that invitation from generation to generation. I'm going to give some people an opportunity to respond to that reality. I'm going to ask the band to join me up here. And um, for those of us who are Christ followers, this is a wonderful festive season. It's amazing. I love it. I love the trees. I'm always the one in my house who goes, it's time for the tree. Let's put it up and Christmas carols come on. But I want so much more for us as Christ followers. I want us to be a people who know what it is to have encountered the grace of God, the presence of God, the power of God in such a way that our hearts are caused to worship God. And we find ourselves so, so full of the presence of God that our hearts have to sing, mighty is my Lord, my God, and my Savior. That we would be a worshipful people in every situation and in every circumstance because of the finished work of Jesus in our lives, because of the incredible reality of who he is and what he's done, that he would humble himself to the point of being a baby so that he could rescue us. For those, let's stand together. For those of you who maybe you're feeling the grace of God pressing onto your heart at home or in the venue, you're feeling the grace of God press on your heart and you're going, I don't fully understand this, I can't fully comprehend this. I can't fully make sense of this. But I kn- I've heard enough. I've heard enough. And there's a sense of God pouring out His Spirit in your heart 
You're going, I want to respond. I want to cry out like Mary said, let it be. Then I want to make a moment for you to respond now. I'm going to ask all of us to close our eyes in an attitude of prayer and worship. And if you're in the venue or if you're at home, I want you to respond. If you're at home, I'm going to ask you to do exactly what we do in the venue as your own act of faith before God. This is not between me and you. It's between you and God. But I would love if you're feeling a need to respond to God this morning to respond. What I'm going to do is I'm going to ask you to raise your hand and just say, I am one of those people who wants to say, let it be. Let it be. I want to respond to the grace of God in my life. And then I'm going to pray for you. Wonderful. Anyone else? Wonderful. Wonderful. Amazing. Anyone else? Lovely. Oh, God, multiple hands being raised today of, of hearts freshly feeling your grace interrupt their lives, your presence interrupt their lives. God, it is wonderful. It is beautiful. God, these moments are the moments that leave us changed and transformed forever. They invite us into an eternity with you, to the great feast that awaits. If you raised your hand, would you just pray a very simple prayer? Jesus, I want to respond to you now. I humble myself before you. I'm sorry for all the ways in which I try to live life independent from you. I want to come to you. Let it be. I'm your servant. Have your way with me. Would you fill me with your presence, your spirit? Would you knit me freshly into community? And would you grow me in a knowledge of you? Amazing. For those of us who are Christ followers, I want to call us to worship. We've got some songs now to respond to the incredible grace of God, to sing back to Him His worth, to sing back to Him gratitude for who He is and what He's done, to marvel at His humility, to marvel at His power, to marvel at His kindness. Let's do that together in song.